Hey, it's Emily Williams, the founder of I Heart My Life and your host of the I Heart My Life show. This is episode 178, The Dynamic Laws of Prosperity, part two. So I've been getting a lot of incredible feedback about this series so far, so I'm excited to talk about the next three chapters with you. So today we're going to talk about the creative law of prosperity, as well as the imaging law of prosperity and the prosperity law of command. I'm also going to give you a three-step process that you can use. It's super simple, and this will help you start to transform your mind as well as your thoughts and your words when it comes to prosperity. Now, this is something, it's a practice essentially that will take about 15 minutes every day, but I want to challenge you as you're listening to this to make a decision that you're going to put this into practice in your own life, at least for a month and start to see the things that shift because you take this action. So there's so much goodness in this episode, so I'm not going to waste any more time. Let's go ahead and dive in. Are you looking to transform your relationship with money? Are you looking to make more money? Are you looking to increase your sales or maybe support your team in making more sales? If so, keep listening. We have our I Heart Money course available just for you. This is my signature course that helps you uncover all the things that are stopping you from creating more wealth. We go through eight modules together. You get a workbook plus video trainings, as well as access to over 20 hours of group coaching calls that I recorded with real life women who want to make more money. You're going to get so much from this program, and I want to give you an opportunity to get it at 15% off. So if you go to iheartmylife.com and go to our courses page, you're going to see iHeartMoney on there. If you use the promo code podcast, you're going to save that 15%. We'll also link it in the show notes. I want to make sure that you are able to create as much wealth as you desire, because that's the only way that you're going to be able to impact the world and step fully into your purpose and have all of the opportunities that you desire. You deserve to live a life of abundance. You deserve to be fully satisfied. You deserve to be fulfilled. And that's what I Heart Money is all about. So again, it's perfect for you if you are a new entrepreneur. It's perfect for you if you are a seasoned entrepreneur looking to go to the next level. It's perfect for you if you're in a career and you want to have a raise. It's perfect for you if you want to support your team and going to the next level. Maybe you have a sales team and you want to help them hit their next level money goals. It's also perfect for you if you want to learn all about money mindset and teach it to your clients. So again, go to iheartmylife.com, go to the courses page and check out iHeartMoney and use the promo code podcast to save 15%. All right, so let's dive in to the second part of this series, which is chapters four through six. And we're going to uncover a lot today. This is super juicy. It's three of my favorite chapters so far in this book. So let's go ahead and do it. So chapter four is called The Creative Law of Prosperity. And the author talks about a three-part process to essentially manifesting and transforming your financial reality. So the process goes like this. Step number one is having a plan and writing out your desires concerning that plan and constantly expanding on that plan. Step two is mentally imaging that plan and those plans desired as fulfilled. And step three is constantly affirming their perfect fulfillment. So I'm going to go through all of these steps, but I want to give you the overview first and foremost. So let's look at part one, which is getting clear on your desires. Now, this is super interesting to me because this is exactly what we do at I Heart My Life in every single program, whether it's business building or mindset. 
we always start with desire because it's so important that you are clear on what it is that you actually want. And what I often say to our clients is that it really doesn't matter what you want. I'm not attached to you having the biggest dream in the world or the biggest desire or a multi-million dollar business or a 8,000 square foot house. All I want is for you to be happy and for you to admit what it is that you actually want. What the author talks about here is she says, there is nothing weak or lukewarm about true desire. It is an inten- it is intense and powerful. If properly developed and expressed, a strong desire always carries with it the power for success. Isn't that awesome? So she says, a strong desire always carries with it the power for success. The stronger your desires for good, the greater the power of your desires to produce that good for you. She says, right desire is truly the first step in solving problems and getting on the road to prosperity. How can you release your deep-seated desires for prosperity and success? She says, by centering your attention on one big goal at a time. One big goal always includes a number of smaller desires that are automatically fulfilled when that big one is achieved. So maybe for you, it is financial abundance, and maybe it's, I don't know, $50,000 a month or $100,000 a month or whatever it may be, you get to decide. But she says she always asks people to get specific. She also has an incredible statement. She says, I often have people ask, she says, one of the basic statements I have often asked people to use to help expand and intensify their constructive desires is, I desire the highest and best in life, and I now draw the highest and best to me. So I really, really love all of this. It makes total sense. And it's really, really important that you are ultimately acknowledging your desires. She goes on to say, the law of creative prosperity is to take your deep-seated desires and instead of suppressing them as impossible dreams, begin expressing them constructively through deciding what they really are and then doing something very simple but very powerful about them. Write them down. That is, make a list or drop some kind of potential plan, which you should feel free to change, revise, reform, and rearrange as your ideas about it unfold. This idea of writing out your desires and formulating a plan on paper clarifies the desires in your mind, and the mind produces definite results only when it has been given definite ideas through which to work. She says, many people work hard at prosperity in external ways, but they miss the mark because they're afraid to get definite in their thoughts and desires. They want to live better and to have more money, but they never get definite in their desires about how they want to live better or how much more money they need. So I really love this because I've noticed in my own life, oftentimes I don't get specific enough. And what I learned in the very beginning of building I Hurt My Life was that money loves purpose. So I got super granular about what my desires actually were and what the purpose was for the money that I was saying I wanted. So for example, do you know how much money you desire to make every single month? And if so, have you actually written down where that money is going to go? And it doesn't have to be that it's going to be, it doesn't have to be spent. It could be that it's going towards savings or to a home deposit or towards a college fund. Could be going to an investment or a stock account. So you get to decide what that looks like. It doesn't have to be spent, but there needs to be a purpose. And it really is super helpful for you to go through and just get clear around what requirements you have in your life financially. Then she says here, desire is God tapping at the door of your mind, trying to give you greater good. 
If you suppress those deep desires, they have no constructive outlet and often turn into destructive channels expressed as neurotic tendencies, phobia, tension, or perhaps as suppression that finds outlet through alcoholism, mental illness, addiction, sexual imbalance, and other negative actions. And I think that's so fascinating. She's basically saying that when you suppress really anything, but we're talking about desire in particular here, when you suppress desire, it has nowhere to go. And oftentimes people do make their desires wrong. Maybe you personally have a fear that if you admit you want something and then don't get it, that that's going to feel worse than, you know, admitting it, um, than not admitting it at all, right? A lot of people have a fear of what people will think when they know what it is that they actually want. So I want you to really think about anything that you truly desire that you're currently suppressing. It's just like anything else that we suppress. So say you suppress anger or you have resentment that you don't release about your spouse, At some point, that's going to kind of boil over, and it's much better to let all that stuff out little and often so it doesn't end up being this big explosion because you haven't been releasing it. It's the same thing with desire, okay? Then she goes on to say that prosperity is a planned result. She says prosperity is the result of deliberate thought and action. There is nothing hit and miss about prosperous living. It is a planned result just as a bridge or building is a planned result. Without deliberate, prosperate plans, there will be no prosperate results on a consistent and permanent basis. And I think this is so cool because oftentimes people think, oh, you know, I'd love to win the lottery or so-and-so is so lucky because they have so much money. Well, she's saying that you can take your power back and actually make this happen for yourself by putting in place deliberate and consistent action and thought. Okay. She says, perhaps you're thinking that you don't really know what you want, that your desires are not that definite as yet. In that case, simply begin thinking about and even making lists of what you don't want in your life that is currently there. List the things that you wish cleared up and eradicated and eradicated from your life. Now, one of the things that's really interesting about this that I don't necessarily agree with is that the mind, it it goes where your attention flows. So if you're focused on lack or things that you have right now that you don't want, I actually wouldn't recommend focusing on those things. But what she's saying is that if you notice that there are certain things in your life, and it could even be you know something other than money, it could be that you have poor health, or right now you're holding on to some weight that you want to release, focus on the thing that is the opposite. So if you're clear on what you don't want, literally flip it and you'll be able to understand what it is that you do want. And all of us are clear on what we want. In my opinion, it's just a matter of whether we're going to admit it to ourselves or not. Then she goes on to talk about a study that was done with a uh, control group on this exact concept. She said they first wrote out their desires for six months and then wrote out their desired achievements for each month of the six. Each week they added to their list or changed their list of desired results as they felt led. Now, this is important here. A lot of times people start down a path because they think that they're going towards something that they want and they forget to check in along the way. So you want to give yourself permission to transform your desire, to change it up or to rewrite it as you so choose. That's why it's so important to be in tune with what your heart is calling you to do. Okay, so that's really important there. She says, in some instances, they change their list completely, expanding their desires or crossing off desires that no longer appeal to them. 
The students were also instructed to spend at least 15 minutes a day pouring their verbal prayers and blessings, which we'll talk about next, upon their listed desires, and daily to work on their lists, revising, changing, and expanding them. They were asked to do very definite things, such as listing the amount of money they wished to make for that day, week, or month. They were also asked to place a time limit and definite dates by which which they wished the fulfillment of their desires. They were further instructed not to wonder, doubt, or question how their rich good was to be fulfilled, but they were to stay busy putting the creative laws of prosperity into action in these simple ways. She talks about this example in such a beautiful um, way. It makes it super clear. So they're literally spending 15 days revising and revisiting their desires. And they're talking about all of the ways in which these things are coming true. They're also adding definite dates. So they're making these non-negotiable. They're being specific. And they're instructed not to doubt or question or wonder if it's actually going to happen, but instead be confident that everything they desire is on its way to them. She goes on to say, what you can do or dream you can, begin it. Boldness has genius, power, and magic in it. Great truths and powerful secrets often appear simple. So simple, in fact, that the average person overlooks them in trying to find a more difficult way. We oftentimes do make things more difficult than they need to be. So after you are clear on your desires and you've decided that these are things that you truly want, you've admitted the things that you really want, you're not diluting them, you're not denying the things that you want, you're really clear, then you can move on to the next step, which brings us to chapter five, the imaging law of prosperity. So she says, once you have the list, you're ready for the next step. It has been said that man's only limitation lies in the negative use of his imagination. In other words, if there is failure or lack in your life, it is because you first imagined it in your mind. So really sit with that. I know that for a lot of people, they don't like to admit that they brought on any sort of failure or discord or anything that they don't want. But the truth is, is if we believe that we have power to impact our own lives, then that means we have power to impact it positively. So when we feel that life is happening to us, that's very disempowering. We're thinking about it in the opposite way. We're thinking about we can control the outcome with our mind. Then she says, it was the French doctor, Emile Couet, who first declared that the imagination is much stronger, is a much stronger force than willpower. And that when the imagination and will are in conflict, the imagination always wins out. Your will may say that your dream is too big to come true, that it is impossible to to fulfill. But if you just dare to continue imaging it anyway, then your imagination will go to work for you to produce the visible result that you have been imaging. And in due time, your will can work for you also. Whatever the mind is taught to expect that it will build, produce, and bring forth for you. Since you are hoping for a greater good in your life, you should begin to form the mental image of it in your mind. This is really important. So she says imaging. For me, I keep wanting to say imagining, but she's literally saying imaging because she wants you to form an image of something in your mind, okay? And then she goes on to talk about what happens or what's happening beneath the surface if something seems like it's taking a long time to actually manifest. She says, but if it takes longer than what you expect, obviously at the beginning of this uh, session, we talked about the fact that she wants you to get specific and actually write down dates 
that you want something to come true and manifest. But she says, if it takes longer, you can be assured that the results will be even bigger when they do come, provided you do not get discouraged and give up. The longer it takes your mental images to produce results, the bigger that they will be if you hold on to them. So there's a man that she talks about in this book, and she talks about a story of him being really, really poor and ultimately over the span of 10 years creating a ton of wealth, so much so that he was able to retire. And what happens for him um, is that it actually ended up taking a little bit longer in the beginning than he expected. So it says here, it actually took him two years to convince his own thinking that it was possible and to get his mind to accept those rich mental pictures. And I've never heard it described in that way, that it actually took him two years to convince his own thinking that it was possible. And how often does that happen in our lives? We are pulled in the direction of something. Maybe it's the dream business, making six or seven or eight figures a year. And ultimately, you get to a certain level, but your mind hasn't yet accepted those rich mental pictures of the next level. And so you hit a roadblock. Okay, so, so important. Then she goes on to say, but this man in particular declared that after his mind was fully convinced that he could become prosperous, it was like breaking a hard shell. Suddenly, success began to come so fast that he could hardly keep up with it. I love that. So when you are at a point where you're not yet at the next level and yet you know it's possible, we have to look to the mind and ask ourselves, what are we imaging? What are the images that are there? Have we actually accepted these? And the way I've heard it taught in the past is that it's almost like um, this new way of doing life. Like, let's just take money, for example, this new level of wealth, say going from six to seven figures, it's like a foreign object trying to enter your body. So if you think about a disease or even, you know, a virus, the body is going to do all it can to get that virus out of your system because it's a foreign object. It's invading the body. And so right now your body may be rejecting, your mind may be rejecting this concept of more wealth. So it's your job to consistently have the image of more wealth in your mind so that it starts to adopt that image as the new normal. It's the same thing for weight loss. Your body has a level of homostasis that it's used to, a certain weight that it's used to being at. So it takes a a lot of effort to be able to lose that weight. But then once you do it, you go into maintenance mode and it's much easier. That's exactly what we're talking about here. There's another example that she gives us. She says, a housewife who used the imaging power of the mind with amazing results has often told me that she has has to work for a long time to get her mind to image in detail a desired result. But she declares that once she can picture the complete detailed result, she can then dismiss the matter from her mind completely, knowing that it will soon manifest itself. She states that she has found it is worth the time and effort to daily picture as much of her desires as possible. Gradually, her imagination is able to image the whole picture in detail. As it does, so she states that often she personally needs to take little or no physical action to produce the result. More often, it is accomplished for her since her greatest work on the matter is already done. I am discovering that the imaging law of prosperity is one of the most fascinating 
The more you develop it, the more it seems that the whole world rushes towards you in a friendly fashion. So what they're saying here is that the more you focus on the image of what you want to create, the easier it is to manifest it and the less work you're actually going to have to do. So I'll give you a specific example. When I first started my business, I had this goal of flying business class. We were living in London, and oftentimes we would travel to the U.S. for conferences and certain events. So I wanted to be able to sit in comfortable seats instead of sitting in economy. So day after day before I was scheduled to take a trip, I imagined or set that mental image of me walking onto the plane, sitting down in first class, feeling the leather on my seat, putting my luggage above my head in the overhead compartments where there was plenty of room. I didn't have to fight for space. I imagined that the flight attendant would hand me a glass of champagne. I would have actual silverware instead of plastic forks and knives. There would be um, a, you know, a place setting, a cloth place setting. It would all be very glamorous. And I literally imagined that over and over and over in my mind, so much so that I could actually smell the plane. I could hear certain noises on the plane. And when I checked in at the airport before that trip, I asked if there were any upgrades, and there were. I got upgraded to business class. This is just one example of many in my life, but I want you to think about certain things that you could create a mental image of. Maybe for you, it's a house. Maybe for you, it's looking at your bank account and seeing a certain number. I've done so many things to really attract more money, one of which is to make a little graphic of a bank account with a different number on it, the number that I want to create. Some people will actually carry a check in their wallet for a certain amount. So you get to decide. She says, you will continue to have financial problems until you change your mental images. You are thinking about talking about and picturing financial lack and your mind is producing what you are imaging. Change your images and think, talk, and picture plenty and you shall have it. She says, in other words, if there are bills to be paid, after making your notes, sit quietly and image the checks already written to those owed in a specific amount. Mentally image yourself putting those checks in envelopes and dropping them in the mailbox. If there's a definite need for some specific amount of money, mentally image a check written out to you, showing a a current date and showing the amount of money needed as received on that check. Your imagination loves to be definite, to be given definite pictures to build and form, which the subconscious mind then gratefully accepts and gets busy producing as definite results for you. That's huge. So image what you really want, not just what you think you can probably have. We talked about that. Has to be the thing that you really desire. Don't compromise in your mental images. Image what you really want, not just what you think you can probably have. Pay no attention to your will and reason, which will try to talk you out of your mental images. Your active imagination will soon take control of your will and put it in its place. Remember, your imagination is stronger than your willpower, okay? But you have to first take control of the imagination by feeding it the mental pictures of what you deeply and sincerely want. If you feed your imagination half-hearted, lukewarm mental pictures, that's the kind of results that you will get. Makes sense. Since they will not be satisfactory, then you will have to start all over again, imaging what you really want. So do it in the beginning and save yourself double the work. So good. And one of the things that she talks about um, in the next chapter is just really utilizing your words, 
to create the life that you want, create the prosperity of what you want. So we're going to be taking the imaging, so the mental images of the mind, but we also want to pay attention to the language that we're using. So let's keep going. Chapter six is called the prosperity law of command. She says a positive assertion of the good you wish to experience is often all that is needed to turn the tide of events to produce good for you swiftly and easily. It is amazing how fast doors open to us when we dare to take control of a situation and command our high expectations to manifest themselves. But there's nothing new about the law of command. In Genesis, we are told that God created the earth by commanding, let there be dot, 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 and there was. Actually, the law of command is one of the easiest to use. So after having made lists of your desires and after having mentally imaged them as fulfilled... It is then time to release the substance of them into words of decree and command, which can move the ethers into action. Okay. She talks about specific examples that are so, so powerful here. So I wanted to share them with you. There was one person in particular who she worked with who had an issue with their right arm. They went to the doctor. They couldn't figure out anything, you know, tangibly, biologically wrong with this arm. Finally, after one of the workshops that she hosted, the man said that he realized he'd been exclaiming, I'd give my right arm if I could, dot, dot, dot. So he would literally say that phrase. I would give my right arm if I could be making more money or I could have happiness or I could find the love of my life, whatever it was that he was desiring at that time. So he was literally saying that in order to get what he wanted, he would have to sacrifice his right arm, which caused the right arm to suffer. Isn't that so, so powerful? Think about the things you're saying on a regular basis. Here's another woman. She says, once I prayed with a woman who was having trouble with her feet and her legs, her need for healing seemed acute. Her physician told her that he'd done everything possible for her. After we began praying, her condition improved, but a complete healing did not seem to come. One day in our prayer time, I said to her, now ask, what is the truth about this situation? What do I need to do to be healed completely? And she did. In a little while, quietly, she said, I have the answer. I recently went into a new business venture and I have not yet made success of it. I have been foolishly saying if I could only get on my feet financially. I was on my feet physically when I began making that statement, but soon my feet began giving me trouble. My subconscious mind must have taken my words seriously and got me off my feet, which is what I was decreeing through my idle words. So we have to understand the power of the words. There's another amazing book called Conscious Language. I highly recommend that you get it. And it talks all about the power of language, especially when it comes to creating a different and more abundant life. So she says here that in all of her studies and all of her work with people who want to create more financial abundance, she's found that 99 times out of 100, they don't solve their problems until they know they not only know, but fully use this law of command. When they begin daily, consciously, and deliberately to assert the good that they want, their commands seem to call it forth. She does talk about the fact that affirmations are a simple way of bringing forth rich results that many people mistrust because they're looking for a more complicated path to prosperity. The word affirm simply means to make firm. Through verbally affirming and declaring the good that you want, rather than continuing to talk about what you don't want, you begin to make firm in the mind and in the, and in the invisible ethers the good that you desire. This is so powerful here. You begin to make firm in the mind, right? That makes so, that makes so much sense. So oftentimes we think 
oh, you know, affirmations, that's just a bit airy-fairy, but you're literally commanding the mind. So you're putting in place the prosperity law, okay? Prosperity law. So I want you to keep uh, thinking about anything that that resonates for you here. So are there times where you are actually thinking things and talking about things that you don't want to bring forth? So she talks about how um, oftentimes there are people who make this more challenging than it needs to be. And one of the simplest ways to do this is to literally think about your affirmative statements. So come up with a statement that resonates with you. Maybe it is I'm attracting abundance to me. I'm a six-figure business owner. I am um, completely you know, healthy. My arm is healed, whatever it is. And it can be simple or it can be a bit more poetic than that. But she says, take your aff- affirmative statements and declare them verbally over 15 minutes a day or perhaps for five minutes, three times a day. So what if you literally said out loud those statements, the things that you most desire over and over and over, for, you know, three times a day for five minutes. Think about how that would impact your life. Now, what's really important with this is that we don't spend 15 minutes saying these positive affirmations and then the rest of the day be down in the dumps and express things that we don't actually want. That's not how this works. We want to be consistently saturating our mind with those images, writing out our desires, and then doing the affirmations until it becomes second nature. And no one's asking you to, for, to asking you to do this, you know, 16 hours a day, but we want to start practicing it. Just like when you start working out, the body starts to crave that exercise, even if in the beginning there was a lot of resistance there. Then she goes on to make such an incredible point. I went back and read it multiple times because it's so true. She says, often I've met students who could tell me all about the theory of successful living, but they were demonstrating very little of it. Upon questioning them, I invariably found that they did not use the law of command. Many of them thought it was beneath their dignity to say definite, prosperous statements and definite definite words of success for 15 minutes each day. Although they didn't find it beneath them to speak definite words of hard times, lack, and financial difficulty for the rest of the day, nor did they find it beneath their dignity to live in indebtedness and financial embarrassment." So how often are we in this state of mind where we're like, this isn't going to work for us. It's not possible. I know for me, when I was in my quarter life crisis and really struggling, I was willing to try anything, even the craziest things. And when I was first told that I had power over my mind and I could choose my thoughts, that sounded a little bit crazy. But again, I was kind of desperate and I was sick of being in that place of debt and financial embarrassment. And so nothing was, you know, beneath me, I was willing to do it. But are you personally thinking, oh, this won't work for me without even giving it a try, right? And yet all day, every day, you're speaking words that are causing you to stay in the same place time and time again and to be stuck and to be unhappy. You owe it to yourself to at least give this a shot. She says, a mind that has been steeped in poverty and failure thinking for years needs daily help and rising into richer thoughts, attitudes, and expectations. So I am naturally more of a negative person. I'm naturally someone who suffers with anxiety and depression. So I created a company called I Heart My Life for myself because that was not my natural way of living. I was not naturally in love with my life and myself. And so I had to work hard to transform my mindset and to create new images, to create new language, 
And still, I have natural tendencies towards blame, for example. When things are tough or when things are challenging, I go to blame. That's my default. And I can still recognize after years of work that that's still a default. So what are your defaults? For most people who have never done this work, your mind, your mind's default is poverty and failure. And if you want to know what your default is, just look at your bank account. Do you have excess or are you barely making ends meet? That will tell you exactly what you need to do here. She says, mere knowing about the power of prosperous thinking isn't enough. You must put it into action. The daily verbal use of positive statements helps you do that. There was another example that I think is really powerful that we'll we'll end on. So there was a man who um, basically experienced his wife being told that she had three months, months left to live. And she was in hospital and had a surgery and then, you know, was sent home to finish out her three months. And when he got, when she got home, her husband said to her, you heard the three month diagnosis, you can accept it and die, or you can reject it and live. But if you want to live, you must do two things. First, you must stop talking about your operation and hospital experience. It is over. Forget it. Second, you must think about me, affirm me and expect to live. He then suggested that she affirm daily, let divine health manifest for me and in me now. And she lived at the time of this book being written. She, that was 22 years later and she was still alive. And they mentioned in the book that her family would call and want to talk about the operation, want to talk about the diagnosis. And her husband would simply say, we're not talking about that. She is prosperous. She is in divine health. And that would be that the conversation would end there. So what are you currently keeping alive in your life that you don't actually want by the use of your words? There are so many things that we go over and over and over in our mind about year after year after year when we don't even want those things to persist or remain. So really think about the power of the language that you're using over the next few days. Start to think about what the affirmations are that are going to actually get you the results that you want. And you will see a huge difference, not just in the results, not just in the things that you attract into your life, but into your, in your attitude and your happiness level and your relationships, it will be a game changer. So I'll talk to you next time when we'll go into part three of the dynamic laws of prosperity. I hope you loved today's episode. It was super fun for me to record. Definitely take some action on some of the tips that I gave you in today's episode. You can also go to our courses page on iHeartMyLife.com and check out our iHeart Money course. This is perfect for you if you want to start transforming your money mindset to create more wealth. We also have our special money audio on that page, so you can check that out as well. Thank you so much for being a part of the show, and I look forward to talking to you next time. We hope you love this episode. Thank you so much for being an avid listener of the I Heart My Life show. Take a second and leave a review. It would mean so much to us and we read all of them. And for further inspiration and life and business tips about creating a life that you love and achieving massive success, definitely follow us at I Heart My Life on Instagram and at I Heart My Life Now on Facebook. See you next time.